But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, that's what I say. I had something that I just you did, you did. <laughs> A little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what's up? Let us know if you can hear us. Uh, I think we're dealing with a little bit of audio issues right now, but I think that they're working. I'm seeing audio coming up on my side. So that's good news. Uh, let us know in the YouTube live chat. But uh, welcome. This is the 9 by 9 the 81 square meters of usually the best and finest volleyball content on the internet when everything works. Uh, we've done a lot of shows throughout this tournament, but ever this is it. It is the finals. It is over. The 2022 men's world championship is a wrap and Italy has won. Italy wins the 2022 men's world championship. Ridiculously enough, they beat Poland three sets to one in the final. Uh, we did a YouTube watch along earlier today. Our, when you could see all of our live reactions as the matches were going down. It was absolutely insane. Everett, neither of us picked this. We really did not expect this. No. Italy comes into Poland and in four sets beats the two-time defending champs. I mean, it's so incredible that uh, my whole sound system has broken down just <laughs> as we start this show. So that's why I'm listening. You know, yeah, it's a little chaotic here. I'll see if we can figure it out during the I, show. I, but I think, I think you can rearrange it because uh, I think that Put put your headset back on as normal, and I'm pretty sure it's going to work. I think it was the thing on my end earlier, but that's okay. no. It was there's there's no sound coming through at all. Like even if I play like a YouTube video, I can oh. hear it through. <laughs> awesome, but it doesn't come through my headset. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, it was incredible. And I mean, if there was one team, I think if there was one team that was going to be able to do it to go into Poland and beat Poland as they're like on the doorstep of a three-peat, it would be Italy, just because of the style of game that they that they play. They don't make a lot of errors. Um, and, you know, we talked about it so much during the live stream. They just trap you into in, into rallies. And they, they block really, really well. They play a game that really frustrates uh, other teams. And you really have to beat them to beat them. And on this day, Poland wasn't good enough to beat them, right? Like we saw maybe the weakest Poland that we've seen throughout the entirety of this championship to, today. Kurek didn't have a, a great day, right? Shlivka was was you know, hot and cold at, at, at some point. Janusz's setting was questionable at best. And then Lomach came in and didn't do much better, right? So it was it, it was an interesting watch to kind of see Poland pull a Poland in Poland. <laughs> Poland did pull a Poland. I, I think I said it at some point. Like Poland, did, well, watch out, guys. They're doing it. They're doing the thing that Poland does in the big tournaments where, uh, where they kind of collapse and crumble. But that weirdly enough, I, I, this one really surprised me because of how well they played throughout the rest of the tournament for to get all the way to the finals to beat Brazil in five in that all-time great semifinal match that we'll talk about in a little bit, only to then get to Italy in the finals after having answered every test that had come their way up to that point and then completely falling flat after taking the first set against Italy. So we'll, we'll talk about the finals. Let's really break this thing down. The set scores were uh, Italy lost the first 22-25, then clean sweep the rest of the way 25 21 25 18 in the third and 25 20 in the fourth in the fourth poland missed their last three serves gave italy for free their final three points correct missed one semenyuk missed one beniak missed one for the championship and uh you mentioned it everett i mean we'll, we'll definitely talk about poland but we got to give italy their credit Italy played a phenomenal match today. They were so well prepared for the matchup. They played such a clean game. Only five unforced attacking errors, only blocked nine times, and uh, four aces to 18 service errors is not, is not bad. It's actually better than I would say they served for a good part of the tournament. And those numbers don't really reflect, especially in the third set, the amount of service pressure that they really were putting on. They did the yeah. exact thing that we've been saying. They put pressure on you. They trap you in the long rallies, and their block was really a shining star today. Yeah, they serving pressure-wise, they really just, just made Poland's middles non-existent, right? Kukanovsky, six points on the day, right? Uh, only, only 10 sets out there in, in four sets, and he's usually a pillar of, of their off offense, right? Um, 
Binek, Binek, they they were able to use him a little bit more. He was able to open up a little bit on that slide. Um, but you're right. Italy was just on fire today. And we talked about it, that they would need games from Romano and Micheletto. And opposite to the semifinals where Romano was fantastic and Micheletto was just all right. Romano was, was pretty good in this one, especially from the baseline. You talk about some of that serving pressure. He was putting on a lot of, a lot of serving pressure, but Micheletto, man, the unicorn, he looked more and more like his old self as the game progressed. He started off really, you know, kind of, kind of shaky in the first, but then really, really got better uh, uh, as the game progressed. Um, his passing was great. His attacking was, was way more confident. Um, and and quiet, quietly uh, uh, worked his way up for like eleven for twenty six with with two errors. Not fantastic numbers, but still a solid contributor on on this Italian team. Yeah, certainly not bad. That's a bit over three hundred efficiency plus two blocks and an ace. And like you said, he started off pretty cold in that first set that Poland won. Then really, really got a lot better from there. And we got to shout out Daniele Lavia. Led the match in scoring nineteen points, sixteen for thirty six, attacking four errors. A uh, pretty good percentage there. Uh, plus two blocks and an ace. And we were talking about it during the live stream. The blocking ability of Lavia and Micheletto in particular on the left side for Italy to shut down Bartosz Kurek was uh, it really put Poland in a difficult place beginning of the match with their superstar, the reigning MVP opposite, unable to get going. Kurek, seven for 22 with six errors. That's the worst match we've seen him play in years. Yeah, that was he took the worst time really to have a dud of a match. Um, and it's, it's really too bad because, you know, throughout this entirety of this tournament, we were talking about, you know, world championship Kurek, where he's just at this other level and performing at this, this, at such a high level and just so efficient crushing balls. Uh, and that just wasn't there today. Um, and you could tell that like he had the enthusiasm, he had the fire, but it just wasn't connecting like, like it was. It wasn't a, as clean like it was. Even when things were going for well for Poland, like in the first and first and second set, like after that, it was it was kind of downhill from there. But even when things were going well for Poland, he he wasn't going well, right? Right. Like he, he had negative efficiency. He got one kill uh, late in the fourth. That kind of like bumped him up, but but, but that's about it. You know, he had even efficiency at six kills and and six errors. But when when he came back onto the court. Um, maybe even uh, a critique of um, Gerbich and having not gone to Kashmarak earlier, right? And not having allowed him to get into the game earlier, given how much Kurek was, was struggling at that point. Yeah, pretty crazy thing to argue, but I, I do want to focus on Italy a little more before we talk about Poland and all, all their kind of shortcomings. Uh, because I, I do think that while Italy played a very, very good, clean well-organized, well-scouted, well-prepared, well-coached matchup today. I think that Poland played right into Italy's hand. And I think that there was a lot that Poland did that allowed Italy to win that match. Uh, but like the attack efficiency numbers, not eye-popping. About 300 efficiency as a team for Italy and only a little bit worse for Poland. Uh, just not horrible. But it's, it's the unforced errors that Italy didn't make uh, that, that put Poland under so much pressure. And, oh boy, do we have to shout out this man right here, Simone Gianelli, seven points as the setter. He outscored Legend. both, or actually all three of the Italian middles. <laughs> seven points on five kills and two aces. And there were so, so many balls that he just wound up on and took like legitimate swings at that were just oh, electric. he bounced a few, dude. Yeah. He- he bounced a few. I mean, the fact that he has more more points than all the middles is kind of like almost like a like a secondhand insult because he's the one setting the middles too so he's out there like calling his number more than he's calling any of any of the the middles numbers but hey i mean at the end of the day they won and you're right like he he's just such a consummate leader and you can tell that this this team really lives in and dies by him like you have a fantastic second setter in ricardo spertoli on the bench who we have not seen at all any other country in the world would love to have spertoli on the court right like like USA would love to have them as as Spertoli as as his second setter. Like I would love to have Spertoli uh, for Canada. You know, like literally every every country could could use Spertoli. But Italy just like like when did G- Gianelli come off the court at any point this year? 
right? The whole summer, like, even in VNL, it was crazy. We how he played the whole time, and we really every minute weren't, weren't expecting that. Uh, no. Great point in the chat. The setter dump that Gianelli did when Yanu served and was nowhere to be found on defense. That that's exactly the Simona Gianelli that we know and love. Not so only, smart. Not only is he capable of scoring points on offense, he picks the exact right time to do so every time. We saw a totally wide open space when Martignano served, didn't get to base defense fast enough. Gianelli threw it straight down right to where he was supposed to be. And yeah. just like we saw in the semifinals of VNL when the United States beat Poland very, very cleanly and Micah Christensen completely outplayed Martin Janusz. It was a similar situation here. The The level of class difference in setters was drastic today. Drastic. Hugely, hugely and, drastic. And the value of a world-class setter like Simone Gianelli has never been higher than it is right now. And you can ask any Polish fan what they would give to have traded for even somebody of, of Gianelli's caliber, even like Ricardo Spertoli's caliber. I think they've they, they have a better chance to win this tournament with with anyone of that caliber easily. 100%. 100%. I mean, for Gianelli, for me, he's really stepping up into one of those, that upper echelon of group of setters. And I think he was already there, but he's even more so cementing himself the way that that that, that he led this team. The timing of, of everything, he's just so calm. And you can tell he's controlling every little thing on that, that court. And, you know, that play, uh, like, beating Janish uh, there on the dump was was a perfect example of that. You could just tell that that was Gianelli's game and he was the puppet, puppet master of all of it, right? Like, I, if, if you were in, if you were going to tell Italy last night that they were going to make Kurek have one of his worst games of the World Championships in how many years, that he was going to get subbed off the court, that Janusz all of a sudden looked like he couldn't set a beach ball and Lomach <laughs> wasn't doing much better, like, like that would have been their perfect, absolute perfect game plan and, and they pulled it off to the tee. They, uh, we talked about their blocking already, and it really wasn't just the number of stuff blocks at uh, what do they have as a team nine in four sets, which is pretty good. I just got the, a hold of the actual official stat report from Polish media, so this actually might tell us more than the FIVB's site will. Uh, how, many, how many blocks total? Yeah, five for Poland, 10, uh, 10 in the official stat report for Italy, uh, and not only the blocking, but the defense. Italy significantly outdefended Poland in this match, and Simone Gianelli included dug a bunch of balls. Even Roberto Russo, a middle blocker in position five, stuck an arm out, dug a ball that went over for a kill on the Poland side. Uh, the middle back outside hitters, the off blocker defenders, everybody on that Italian team was more ready to make plays than their counterparts on the Polish side were. And we also have to shout out Fabio Balasso in a big way for being 100%. an outstanding defender and a very, very clear uh, best libero pick for the tournament. So before we talk about Poland, I think we should acknowledge the Dream Team, Everett, and the complete and utter robbery that was giving a best middle blocker spot to Gianluca Galassi, even though he got benched in the second set of the finals, and not recognizing Daniele Lavia on this team makes no sense to me. So we can get into wow. that. Here's, really? Here's Oh, yeah. Here's the team. Uh, best setter and MVP, Simone Gianelli of Italy. No surprise there. Uh, best opposite, Bartosz Kurek of Poland. Best no outside there. Yeah, best outside hitters, Yondi Leal of Brazil. Well-deserved leading scorer for the tournament. And Camille Semenyuk of Poland. Uh, best middle blockers, Mateusz Biniak of Poland and Gianluca Galassi of Italy, which makes absolutely no sense. And then best libero, Fabio Balasso of Italy. Uh, Everett, what are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have put Semenyuk in there. Me neither. Um, uh, like I, I would have had Lavia instead of Semenyuk for sure. Um, Binek, yeah, for, yeah, I, I guess so. I think Kokonowski um, was better than him though. For yeah. that's, I think in the finals and in the playoffs, I think Kokonowski was the better of the two. But Binek did outscore him by ten points throughout throughout the entirety of the tournament. Total. Okay. Um. So I, I mean, there's that, but. Yeah, he had 16, 16 against USA the first time, thirteen the the second time. So, I mean, to me, it's it's a it's a toss up. You can't do both Italian middles. I would have thought you would have. I guess you can't throw more than one one Brazilian in there. The fact that there's a quota per per country, like per spot, is really what messes it all up here, right? And then Man, it's I mean, not there's like still only, there's three Italians and three Poles and one Brazilian, like. I know Gianelli gets the MVP, but we've we've really got to reassess the way that we do these stupid dream teams. Lavia deserved a spot. I thought he was fantastic this tournament. 100%. And Galassi, 
was invisible. I mean, he didn't, he barely even played in the finals. And that's just kind of how Italy's game was where they didn't utilize the middle nearly as much as teams like Poland or Brazil. Uh, so just giving a spot to an Italian middle out of just obligation for the quota doesn't make any sense. No, I, I, I definitely agree. And it's a shame, but maybe, maybe for the next episode of the nine by nine, which is, won't be this Tuesday. We're going to take a break and we need, we need a bit of a breather. It'll be uh, the week following. Uh, maybe we do a bit of a first team, second team, all world championships scenario. Great idea. Great idea. Yeah, we can, we'll, we'll bring, we'll bring those to the table. So uh, anything else about this Italian team, but, but well, let's, let's, let's frame it this way. Put, Everett, put for me this Italian win, this performance in perspective. They won, they won last year's European Championship. They had the dynasty in the 90s, obviously. But nobody really expected this team with a lot of youth, everybody in the starting lineup under the age of 30, to be able to do this yet. What does this mean for Italian volleyball, and what does this mean for the future of the game on the men's side? Well, once again, Italy surprises the crap out of me and goes and wins a tournament that uh, – at the beginning of the tournament, I would think they would have no business winning. Maybe, like, to be honest, this is much less of a surprise than last year's European Championship because they won that European Championship. Right. Obviously. Right. You know what's possible. And to be completely honest, I would say that it's just as hard to win a European Championship as it is to, to, to win a World Championship. You know? You add in, like, Brazil, USA in, into the fold. But, like... It's so good in Europe that you, you know, you you probably have some easier games at the World Championships when you play some teams in pool play than than at the European Championships, right? So, honestly, I think this Italian team is truly cementing themselves as as one of the the t- upcoming teams, one of the best teams moving forward and in, into the next decade and the next few quads, uh, the next few Olympic Games, right? I think it's very poetic in a way that they kind of ruined Poland's show and ruined their their three-peat at home which would have been fantastic on so many levels for Poland but that Italian team has come in once again and played spoilers played spoilers to Slovenia last year played spoilers to Poland this year and now I think that they're they're truly on like at the top of the game like they're up there with France right Italy and France are probably the the best two uh, teams in the world and guess what they beat France at this tournament right like the only teams they didn't really beat are USA and Brazil but I mean, hey, Poland beat them, right? So moving forward, you know, I think this Italian team is now has to be considered as a team that can win a tournament at, at any point, and we need to understand that now. Um, the fact that <laughs> this, do. this, right, the fact that this uh, roster is as young as it is and as talented as it is, um, is seriously scary, right? And uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just congratulations to to Italy. Like, when's when's the last time they won? a major Europe, a major uh, championship like this. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's got to be kind of back to their golden era because they haven't won an Olympic gold. They haven't won a world championship. They have even really won a, like a world league or a VNL because uh, they usually don't throw all their resources at those tournaments uh, until earlier this year. Uh, but, man, w- what a turnaround after the disappointment of that VNL finishing in fourth at home uh, to then come back, beat France, beat Poland and and put on this performance in a hostile environment like that, man. I mean, we're, we're, we look at this roster and I, I wouldn't say Yuri Romano is a top 10 opposite in the world. I wouldn't say they have a top 10 middle blocker in the world on the roster. I, w- I would say Micheletto and Lavia are both very, very good, but are, are they the best two outside hitters in the world? No, probably not. They've got an unbelievable setter. They've got an unbelievable libero, and they have an incredible coaching staff and preparation system. Hugely high level of skill and volleyball IQ all the way around, and we say it all the time, but the whole of this Italian team is way greater than the sum of its parts, and I think that Poland was the more talented team today, would probably win a match if you played it on paper, but we don't play it on paper. We play it on the court, and Italy came out and took it to them. I think if you were to put this in like video game terms, Italy has one 90 level rated player and that's Gianelli and a bunch of high eighties, right? Whereas yeah. other teams might have a couple of, a couple of nineties, maybe one or two. Hey, Poland might even have three, but then there's like a, a liability somewhere. Maybe there's a 70 on their lineup somewhere or like a high 70 or, or a low eighties, something like that. Like this, this Italian team is, is so good. Um, and they've got a little bit of depth too. I mean, the fact that you're looking at, at at some of these teams like 
France is a little bit older, but like if you look at this Polish team and you, you look at this Italian team, like how many times do you think over the next decade we're going to see these two teams face off? A like, lot. <laughs> a that, that, lot. I think that's like we're going into the Italy versus Poland decade, both on the pro uh, on the club side uh, at Champions League and internationally VNL World Championships Olympics. Yeah, sure enough. Uh, crazy enough, Everett. If you have a phenomenal volleyball culture in your country, you have a great development system, you, you succeed at the youth level, and then you have phenomenal club leagues with resources where you can develop your domestic players, it's going to make your national team pretty good. Who knew? In a both Shocker. Amazing. Shocker. Yeah, both all three of the medalists in this tournament, uh, Italy, Poland, and Brazil, that's the case for all of them. Great volleyball cultures, systems, development programs, and domestic leagues. And sure enough, uh, if you want to win a major international tournament, that seems to be a pretty well-defined recipe at this point. So huge congratulations to Italy again. Coach DiGiorgi and the staff did just a phenomenal, phenomenal job this entire tournament. So Everett, we got to talk about Poland. <laughs> We have got to t- we've got to talk about Poland, and it was an all-time match that they won in the semifinals to beat Brazil. Then that Brazilian team played great. Brazilian team was undermanned as Lucarelli went down, and they gave everything they had. And Poland survived a very serious scare. Uh, and that was a five-setter. And then the next day, they come out and play the finals. They take the first set. They're looking pretty good. What happened? We were watching it. Summarize for the people that weren't talking along with us in, in the in the watch along stream. What happened to this Polish team? I think first and foremost, what happened, I, I truly think that Bartosz Kurek not having his best day is the first kind of kink in the armor that happened. Because then it leads to having needing more pressure on um on the left sides because you knew you weren't going to be able to give a lot of volume to the middles because of how well Italy was serving. Right. So it really came down to Bartosz Kurek not producing early on. And, and like, remember, they were down by three. Was it like they were down 1916 in the first? They were able to come back. Yeah, that's right. Push even in the, the second, you know, like they, they had a good lead in the third as, as well, too. But it just kind of like piece by piece crumbled away. And we saw that they were just floundering once once they got to the fourth. You know, at the, the third, they subbed everyone off. Um, brought in all the bench guys, and they're like, okay, you know, they're they're going to rest up, they're going to come back to push this to a fifth, but it just didn't happen, right? Those pieces just kept kept falling around them, and then by the fourth, no one had any momentum. Like their best scorer in the fourth was was fourth and four now was four now, and I, I was saying on the stream, just feed him because he's he's the only one who's got any juice right now. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was it, it seemed like Kira couldn't get going, and I think that affected Janusz's. Uh, confidence and you know being like how how can i not get him going and then it was just a a domino effect from there that's really the thing for me too is that you didn't get none of the individual attackers for poland inspired that much confidence from even earlier in the match in that first set that they won I, i wasn't watching it was particularly confident in any single polish player but when you really look at the numbers and when when you felt what was going on there the fourth set it's the setter position again. The setter position again came in snake bit Poland. Marcin Janusz got thoroughly, thoroughly outplayed. Not only were there some balls that he set that were borderline unhittable, especially to the middles, which is something that he's been good at, to, to both Biniak and Kochanowski, and those two require very different balls. But he's, he was setting some unhittable balls to those two guys. And then it's the decision-making. And like that, and that, that play that we were talking about where he serves. He doesn't get to base on defense. Gianelli throws it straight down to where he's supposed to be. That other one where the ball popped up in the air off like a somebody reached around and, and covered it off, off an off-speed shot, popped straight up in the air. Poland looked at it as it hit the floor. Roberto Russo, a middle blocker, digs the ball, and it comes back over on the first contact, hits the floor. It, there's the, 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 the collective tightness and, and panicking in the big moments. It was is exactly what we've seen from Poland in all, in all the tournaments that they've been so scrutinized of having not getting it done the last so many years. And to me, it comes down to the setter. And I know this is Marcin Janusz's first year uh, as, the, as the guy for the Polish national team. He's going to get there. I have faith that he's better than Fabian Drizga. He's the best option right now, for sure. He's going to get better. But he had a huge test just now, and he failed. 
he did not come up in that fifth set when they needed him to, and the entire offense suffered. Yeah, I mean, we we've talked it, uh, we've talked about it a, a number of times with the style of setter he is, and he's very steady. You know, he does things very well. He delivers a good ball. He sets a pretty good offense. He does things at a very good level. Pretty good sometimes, great sometimes, but it's just it's just not sustainable. And I often wonder about his confidence level. Um, just as seeing him out there too, and, and and walking around, I wonder if he thinks he belongs with with this with with this roster, setting this roster, because this is a few times now that it's it's really crumbled for him uh, in gut check time. Now, you know this one, and obviously the semifinals, the the, the VNL. And is it just something that is in like the core of Polish setters? Like, how come they? How come this this volleyball crazy country? can't find someone to sling some butter you know that's 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 really my question here and and to, to do it confidently because i think janusz all the tools that he have is enough right everything that he is 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 enough to be able to lead this team to a championship but you can tell he starts questioning himself and the, the sets just become a little bit higher they're a little le- less precise they're you know kind of all over the place like we saw the the connection with Binek really deteriorate deteriorate throughout throughout the match and yeah, like it, it, it's something he's got to step up and, and be the man at a certain point. It's like Gianelli, like he needs to take a, a, a book out of Gianelli's, a, a, out of a page out of Gianelli's book because he doesn't need to be fully like Gianelli, uh, especially on that roster. Right? Gianelli is exactly what that Italian team needs, but Poland needs like a little bit more attitude uh, from Janusz. But I mean, it affected everyone. There's even that one play that we saw Zatorski just watch a ball fall yeah. in off, off what of the block. What was up with that? Like, man, Zatorski, if anyone, like, you have so few uh, so few atten- or opportunities to put your, your, your paws on a match and put your, you know, yourself in the matches of libero, and you have to take them, right? If Eric Shoji is there, like, that's picked up right away. I absolutely guarantee it. Fabio Balasso, same thing. He made so many outstanding, outstanding plays, like, really showed up and made an impression at the libero position for Italy, and Zatorski did not. But I want to bring up, I'm I'm curious, back to the Janusz thing, being the setter. Now, it's, it's, it's still new. Again, this is the first year. Well, we're we're good. This is good. This is not the end of the Martin Janusz era. This is going to be a long saga of of the, the of the constant scrutiny that Polish volleyball is always under because they're such a phenomenal volleyball country and fan base and all that, and the expectations are always high. But now you've got Nikola Gerbic coaching you, who's one of the great setters of this century. Uh, I I think that 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 relationship needs to be better too. Every, it's cool because we get to hear Gerbich coach on the sidelines during timeouts because he coaches in English. So we can always kind of get, get a feel of what he's saying in timeouts and where his head is at. There is even a nervous energy about Gerbich in the way that he communicates with his team that I think kind of contributes a little bit to the nervous energy in the big moments for this Polish team. There, it's, not an, oh, it's, it's not really a balance of, of like specific tactical versus positive the way the one thing I like about the way John Sparal coaches is that he in, in timeouts, even though he makes a lot of really dumb decisions, in timeouts he addresses his team with some very specific tactical thing, followed by a general positive vibe thought. And I think that De Giorgi, even though I don't speak Italian, approaches it similarly. I think he's always talking something very technically specific about a matchup and then kind of mentally and positively empowering his guys. Gerbich is very different than that. Do you, do you kind of agree with me? Do you think what I'm getting at there? Well, I think for Giorgi, like they literally have a, like I would almost see Giorgi reading the game through his game plan and kind of looking up and being like, okay, yeah, we're where we expected to be. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Okay. Oh, we need to detour here. You know, like that's how much I, well, I think he controls everything. Uh, and you're very right. Like, I think there's, there's times when it just needs to be, there's there's different times of timeout, right? There's a timeout where you don't need to say anything. Let's just reset, grab a quick sip of water, guys, dap it up on the bench. Okay, boys, let's go. There's a second timeout that's very tactical, analytical. Hey, we need to do do things. There's a third timeout that oh, that also needs to be employed, and it's the rah rah. You know, let's go, yeah. go one when it's gut check time and you're down in the fourth set at home in the World Championship final. And there was one uh, timeout in the, in the fourth set. And Gerbich calls it, and I'm expecting, like, I think he's going to light them up here. And 
as he's he's talking, I I can't see him or I I can't hear him. I, like we were talking, but you can see he's he's talking about technical stuff about how they're doing. Like, dude, it's the fourth set. Just get the boys going. Yell at them. Swear at them. Do something. Right. How, like, how do you get them? Like talking about technical, about like, hey, we need to go thumb down a little bit more to get the. F that. Pass like, the just, ball with more just, parabola, like he always says. To, like, pass the ball. Yeah. He, he would say, like, pass the ball higher. Put more arc on the pass. That's not – That that's like – it's like high school level stuff. That, that you, This is the Polish national team. These are the most skilled players in the world. I totally agree with you. You've got to have the ability to either address something very specific about a matchup or just get the boys going. You can't be, like, coaching mechanics – in the middle of a world championship final. That is just not how that works. And teams don't respond to that. So I, I, I think that there's, there's this nervous energy that's always around the Polish national team. And then always comes to bite them at some point when they fail to win a tournament, this time it happened to be in the final. And I don't think Gerbich is, he's, I think that he's, he's definitely not blameless as part of that nervous energy not. that's surrounding this, this particular team. Absolutely. I mean, Hey, maybe it's something to do with, you know, for, for us, I think that's very normal in a North American sport culture, you know, like how many coaches do you know who don't know anything about the X's and O's and just know everything about the rah, rah, you know, like I, I know there's, there's coaches in Ontario who coach in the OUA who, you know, uh, from pretty good sources have very little volleyball knowledge and they get, just get their assistant coaches. But you know what, if, if you hear them, they got the best, you know, rah, 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 rah to get them going. Um, but yeah, like I, I just I don't know if they just they have that maybe in Europe they just don't they don't utilize that much uh, as much but yeah it was uh it was a weird nervous energy from from Gerbich because you could tell just like things weren't going according to plan all of a sudden right your stud right side isn't putting balls away like like he he should be what do you do next how 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 do you respond right I think he kind of just let them out there hoping that he would get going but you know, there was, it didn't look like there was any instruction to the setter to try to feed him in certain situations. So I think there's a lot of learning to be done, you know, by, I, I think we saw it from a couple of young coaches. Sure, Gianni isn't as young in the coaching game as Gerbich, but he still got, you know, it handed to him by, by Di Giorgi. Same thing with, with Gerbich, got handed to him by, by, uh, by Di Giorgi. And, and you know what, like, once again, like, as much as Gerbich needs some of this blame, Di Giorgi needs a lot of credit, credit. for all this. Totally agree. I think he's... Uh, quickly rising is probably the best volleyball coach on planet earth right now. I, I, I can't pick a guy who I think has gotten more out of the group that he has uh, than, than Ferdinando de Giorgi over the last year or two. I mean, that European championship run, same thing. All right. So every, before I move on from this, cause we've got to talk about a couple other things. I, I'm looking at this, uh, the, the, this full stat sheet from, um, from the Polish Polish volleyball that's just a lot more detailed than anything we get from Volleyball World. Mm -hmm. So some fascinating numbers in here. First of all, only 28% positive passing from Poland for the match. 28% positive, 15% perfect. That is rough. And uh, Camille Semenyuk, 25% positive, 10% perfect. Pavel Zatorski, 25% positive, 15% perfect. Not good enough in those areas. And then there's there's a couple more detailed stats that we can uh, I, need, I need some time to look at these and break these down because I just picked this up. But the, the we we were watching it. We felt we felt it slipping away in the fourth set, and it turns out the numbers really do back that up. So this was a fascinating, fascinating match, and uh, a lot of my takeaways are that coaching goes an extremely long way, longer than we thought. Yeah, absolutely, and you can tell. I, I think this one was a, was a perfect example. I think Italy right now is the perfect example for how far coaching goes. Um, like this team doesn't win. I can't think of, of any other coach who could lead this team specifically. I think it's very specific, you know, like does Giorgi beat this team, built this team and they, they built this, this system around the players that they had, you know, but everything is, is coming to, to coming to play for them right now. And it just, uh, it just adds to, to be honest, like another very legitimate team in the world right now. Um, and you know if that damn war will ever finish, and we allow Russia to to come back in, into into the vol- volleyball folds, you know that that will just add uh, add one even more, right? So yeah, I think uh, all of this makes everything very more interesting, and it just like it just 
makes the the Poland timeline, the poor Poland storyline in terms of their volleyball history and lore so much more interesting and compelling because now there's just so much more pressure on that team, on that program. You know it's going to be a pressure cooker pr- cooker for them because like you know it's the same it's the same place that Perugia is at in my opinion. Yeah. You have all this talent, you have you have everything you could ever want, you have uh, literally everything and yet you can't get the job done. Like it's it's the Dallas Cowboys of of the volleyball world right now, you know. It's the it's the it's the New York Yankees of of the volleyball world right now. Like you know, you you got to go out there and get it done when when the when the time has come, and it's you know, it's just not there for them anymore. Yeah, it's a, a fascinating fascinating storyline to follow because of the pressure that's always on the Polish national team, and they're going to get another chance next year. There will be a VNL and an Olympic qualifier, and we certainly expect them to qualify for the Olympics, but. You're going to give you another year with Gerbich and Janusz is the setter. You're going to get Wilfredo Leon back. And uh, the, the story is far from over for this Polish national team, but I know it's very bitterly disappointing uh, for their home fans right now. Uh, we got to talk about the bronze medal. Uh, the bronze medal match was also today a nice little appetizer for the gold medal match. And Brazil wins the bronze medal at the world championship. They beat Slovenia in four, 25-18, 25-18, like two effortless wins in the first two sets slovenia grabbed the third 25 22 and then brazil beat him again in the fourth 25 18 one more time uh wallace led the uh, led the match in scoring 22 points 19 for 33 with only three errors it's about 50 percent efficiency a uh, great performance from him uh plus a block and two aces i think we expect him to re-retire now uh go back into the national team retirement with just a little bit more hardware yuan de leal was very very good again uh, Lucas and Flavio were great in the middles, and Bruno, uh, Bruno Rezende came on in reserve for Cochopa to set and looked great. So, congratulations to Brazil. I think we really undersold them at the beginning of this tournament. And they walk away with some hardware. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think both of us are are definitely uh, to blame for uh, underexpecting them. They had a underwhelming VNL um, where they lost games to China and to to you guys when you know no one thought you were good um but yeah i think this was this was well well deserved you know that that semi-final against poland yesterday was an epic match uh just like i said it would be um <laughs> and uh yeah you know like it, to me like given the way that brazil played i thought would have thought it would have been a damn shame if they left without a medal Right, and they went out there and and did the job. Sure, it took four sets instead of three. Um, Slovenia knew you knew we were going to stand up at at some point, but at the end of the day, Slovenia just doesn't have have what Brazil has. Uh, loved the fact that you know, a we got to see Bruno come back in, finish it off, set that team to uh, a one final medal because it's clear now that that torch is being passed. Yep. Um, so that was fantastic. But then also to Wallace getting that last wing, getting that last point. The last thing he does, presumably in the nat- for, for for the national team, will be securing a bronze medal for them at the na- at the world championships. And hey, that's massive. That's six straight world championship medals for them. Like that's that's a streak. I think that's the the, the longest streak in volleyball, obviously. Um, but yeah, hats hats off to this Brazilian team. They they deserve it for sure. Absolutely, they do. And I'm I'm curious to see what's next for this Brazilian team because they're gonna qualify for the Olympics. Like that'll never be a problem for them. Their world ranking will always be high enough. Uh, to at least be a player in the big tournaments. But might this be the last time they are really a medal threat, at least with this generation of guys? Because, I mean, now there's two years to the Olympics. Uh, Bruno, Lucas, uh, I mean, we expect Wallace to retire now. I mean, they had to bring him out of retirement just for this tournament. Bruno, Lucas, Wallace, even Yohan de Leal is like, what, 30, 31, 32? He's 34. Wow, he's older than I thought. Um not not an overwhelmingly young Brazilian team. I don't really see it in the pipeline for them to keep that sustained level of classic Brazilian excellence. So that's my question for them is where do they go from here? But uh, if this happens to be the end of one of the great eras of volleyball of all time, uh, it was it was a, a pretty poetic run and a pretty nice finish uh, for this Brazilian team to walk away with a medal all the way in 2022. <laughs> I mean, who was on that? like 2008 team and they obviously won in 2016 this and the mid 2000s there's been a lot of turnover for brazil and here they are in 2022 still winning medals yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see what what comes next having cachopa there makes me a little bit more optimistic about their future um but you know i 
I was in Gatineau and I was talking to some of their, their, their team staff and they were straight up telling me that like, Hey, you know, we're a little bit worried right now about what we're producing um, in terms of volleyball talent uh, in Brazil. And I mean, like I got to see there's sure that you had that, that a junior, a junior team competing up at the senior level. And, you know, I, I don't want to admit like that's a, that's a large jump, but oh, at yeah. the same time, their junior team has guys who are playing in the super league, like who play and start four teams on, in a professional league. And, you know, they went and went over against teams like Puerto Rico and Mexico and, you know, a Canadian B team that isn't much that much older than them. So, uh, and once again, even more so, uh, really question questionable is that their best player and team captain is a kid who is Brazilian, but grew up mostly in, in Brazil and has only been in Brazil playing for, for Ces or for uh, Minas for a couple of years. So it, isn't he a Canadian kid? I thought, I remember no, yeah, no, he is, he's, he's Canadian. Like his mom's Brazil for his, his parents, his whole family is, is Brazilian, but he was born at, in Canada and grew up in Canada. But that's what I'm saying. Like their best prospect right now is from, isn't even from Brazil. He's from he's from Canada, and he's only been there for the for the past two years. So yeah, I'm I'm very inter interested to see what happens with you know Brazil over over the next couple of quads because if Alan Souza can't get healthy and can't get to be the way that he is, you know, what do you have on the left side? Like what do you have? What do you have in the middle? Flavio is, is doing all right, but like Douglas is gone. So yeah, this it's it's it was very nice to see this this Brazilian team get this win because. At the end of the day, it might be the last one for a while. It might. A uh, great point in the chat. Uh, 20 years after World Championship gold with Jiba in 2002. And who was the man to hand the Best Outside Hitter Award to Yandi Leal today? It was Jiba. Uh, Jiba was in the house there in Poland uh, handing out some hardware. So that was very, very cool to see. Uh, let's talk about Slovenia for a second, Everett. Uh, they walk away in fourth. Uh, they hosted pools. They hosted the first two rounds of the bracket. They... Their team played phenomenally well on home soil. But I think at the end of the day, getting to the Final Four, huge achievement. But they were just pun punching out of their weight class at this point. They're, you're, you're not going to beat Italy. You're not going to beat Brazil in, in medal matches at a World Championship. So Slovenia, as much as this, as many magical things as this core of players has done, they're just not quite at that level right now. And unfortunately, I'm not sure if, if they even have a system or a roadmap to get to that level. No, and I mean, let's be honest, if it wasn't for them getting that immediate second place coming into the round of 16, they're not here, right? If they don't play every single match until the semifinals at home, they're probably not here, right? Uh, I think this is a fantastic Slovenian team. Uh, once again, kind of closing the book on what has to be their golden generation, really changed the game. Like, like, like if I go back to 2011, I know that Slovenia was losing to Slovakia to get into world league qualifying. That's not, <laughs> that's not a short time. That's not a long, a long time. That's only 11 years to go from like, and even less you from 2011, they're not qualifying for world league qualifying and 2000 by 2015, they're getting silver medals at the European championships. Right. So that's a four year span. That something happened, right? Jack got some magic beans or something and just sprinkled them around in Ljubljana and, and, uh, and areas. But yeah, it's it's probably done. Also, can we talk about the fact that you have arguably one of the most explosive outside hitters in the world in volleyball, and he sat his ass on the bench the entire the entire, entire tournament. tournament. What like uh, Ernout Chibul? Yeah, you're fantastic. Rock Mozic is 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 one of the best players in the world. Put him on the right side. Throw him in. Like use him. Find a way to use him. If like if not, like it's just it's such a such a waste. Find a way to use him is, is the best way to say it. Figure it out. And I know that uh, there's been a lot of turmoil for the Slovenian team this summer alone. I mean, they hired Mike, Mark Lebedu, fired him immediately after VNL. George Kretsu comes in, and I think that he probably wasn't really the one calling the shots on that team. I think it was kind of the, that team was probably run by the committee of those guys that have, that have been there making this run. Your Chables, your Earnouts, your Tonchek Stearns, your Kozamernik and Payank and uh, Kovacic, Libero, those guys. Like we, we know that they only really have nine players in their team. They have the starting seven. They have two capable setters, and they have the Rock. Find a way to use him. He's one of the best prospects in the world. He is your only hope if you're Slovenian at them staying at this level for the foreseeable future. Find a way to use the kid. Hundred percent. It's just like also such a such a waste too that you played all of those matches at home and they couldn't see 
your best player, your best prod prospect, the one who's lighting up the Italian league now for the past few years, like such a short sighted, like boomer move by the Slovenian Federation, you know, absolutely. You got it. You got to pay homage to, to your legends, the guys who got you there, but at a certain point you got to move forward and you got to keep moving forward. And I don't know if Slovenia is doing that right now. Well, that's kind of the fun thing about this world championship is that this, this calendar since the pandemic has been weird. We had the Olympics postponed by a year. We had the Olympics and the World Championship in back-to-back years. That is very strange and probably will never happen again. But now, uh, now that men's national team season is over and now the next major tournament is the Olympics in two years, there's a good amount of time for some storylines to brew and some real turnover to happen. And just for teams and just kind of the the pecking order of teams in, in the world in men's volleyball will be very different. Uh, by the time the Olympics come around in Paris 2024 than it is right now. And I think that's kind of a really interesting part about this. And we'll find out a lot of news and see the progress of things as the club seasons go along. Uh, but this Slovenian team, both Slovenia and Brazil, it was funny that they they were the two playing for the bronze, is that those, I think, are the the two most fragile of the teams playing at, at or near the elite levels right now for the foreseeable future. The, this, in both cases, might have been their last chances to play for a medal of this kind. I I'm looking at some things right now and I have a conspiracy theory. Let's hear it. I think that um, the reason that Atonchek Stern and Ernout and all those guys went to the Federation and um, got Lebedu fired is because they were butthurt that Mozic was playing over them and that the young guys were playing over them because Mozic led Slovenia in scoring during the VNL, right? Like he played a lot. He was their guy. And obviously, Lebedu was coming in and building for the future, and the old guard guard didn't like that very much because, as we said, like we barely saw him whatsoever. He went from being their leading scorer at VNL to being nowhere to be found. However, you got to also point out too that VNL was a bit of a, a dumpster fire for them, and they made it all the way to the semifinals and, and to the bronze medal match yeah, here re- at World results, Championships. Results don't lie, but they did have the the. It's impossible to ignore the advantage they got from hosting the tournament. Unbelievable advantage playing at home and getting the number two seed overall in the bracket for free. That is a massive, massive advantage. And uh, I, I want to spend a little bit of the end of the show kind of wrapping up this tournament as a whole. But before we do that, uh, let's, let's talk about the semifinals a little bit. Is there anything to talk about about Slovenia versus Italy? It was a 3-0 no. beatdown. It wasn't particularly close. Italy was better. Is that it? So yeah, Slovenia had nothing to to be honest. You could tell that they were missing their home fans, that they just they weren't the same and I fell asleep to be perfectly honest. It was a- <laughs> Yeah, I watched the first two sets and then I turned it off. Uh, it was over at that point. I do want to talk about the other semifinal really quick. 100%. Poland Captain. versus Brazil, uh 3 to 2. Unbelievable, unbelievable match. Uh, Brazil takes the first, Poland takes 2 and 3. Brazil takes the fourth and Poland survives in the fifth, 15 to 12. Uh they, they break a 12-12 tie in the fifth, uh, go on a 3 nothing run to win it. Uh, Bartosz Kurek leads them in scoring with 24. Camille Semenyuk right behind at 23. Um, more the Poland performance that we were expecting, where they really rose to the occasion and rose to a very serious challenge and got it, overcame the adversity despite the pressure and got it done. And that's why I was confident in them going into the gold medal match, and we already talked about what happened there. Uh, but I want to give Brazil a lot of credit because Lucarelli went down in the fourth. Uh, er, early in the fourth and whatever muscle thing he had going on it was the same thing that kept him out in the Iran match he did not look good he could not move around he clearly had to go out of the match and uh, Brazil hung in there they brought Rodriguinho in and outside they brought Bruno in at setter at at some point and they weathered the storm brought it all the way to five and had a chance to win so I thought that was a gutsy gutsy performance by Brazil yeah, absolutely. I mean, losing Luke Relly was a was a huge, a, a huge loss. And I mean, um, you knew that this one was going to be a battle, right? Once again, is the rematch <laughs> of the past two World Championship finals? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was dead wrong. You, you, Dude, take take I, your moment to gloat about your pick because you're absolutely right about this. I knew this one was going to go to. It was either going to be a competitive four setter or it was going it was going the distance. The fact that you thought that Poland was going to walk through this tournament 
without or walk through these past two games without losing a set was ludicrous. Like I may have lost a little bit of respect for your volleyball, uh, your volleyball knowledge after that call. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna even omit the fact that you picked Brazil not to make it out of pools. Like that to me is much more um, understandable. And I can allow it way more than you think Poland is just going to walk through when they have Brazil and Italy in front of them. That was that was absolute insanity right there. Um, like I wish we had a scoreboard to to keep that one on because man, how can you look at this team and be like, yeah, this is a team that's going to get three donged by Poland? Absolutely <laughs> not. They went out there and battled. It was so much fun to watch. Um, honestly, you know one of my, one of my biggest just just looking at it, remembering it. Looking at this this stat line for uh, Poland right now with Kurek with 24, Semenyuk with 23, Shlivka with, with 19, I really wish we had a day in between the semis and finals. Yeah, you know? I think that was a factor. I like, really let's do. play the semis, and especially especially for Poland. Like someone said it in the chat, you know, that like um, Italy's fitter, they haven't played as many five setters. And I mean, they did play the one five setter against France in the quarters, but like Poland played a five a five setter against USA and then another five setter against against Brazil. Right. So they, they had both of those matches, you know, Italy's match yesterday was a lot less, you know, it was almost an hour and shower. That was a business trip for them. You know, I'm sure they've had practices this year that were much harder, much harder than that match. Uh, Whereas Poland had to go out there and battle and then do it, do it right again the next day. And I think, Hey, this is a world championships. Let's give, give the boys a breather. Right. Maybe you play the bronze on, on the day before. Let the losers have no rest. Uh, but let's 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 give the gold medalists a little bit of a little bit of breather. Maybe, you know, bump them up, get get them away from that gross hotel food that the FIVB always serves. Bring them to a nice restaurant, get them nice and fat and ready to go battle on on Sunday. I agree with you. And I think this kind of segues into just our, our thoughts for this entire tournament overall. I, th- I agree. I think it was rushed. I think the whole thing was rushed. It only took two weeks for an entire world championship. Uh, I think the yeah, finals, the day after the semifinals, not good organization. But I, I, I hate giving the FIVB the benefit of the doubt. But they had to, they had to scramble at the last minute to completely reschedule and reformat this tournament after it was supposed to be in Russia, and they started a war, and it was rightly so removed from their borders. So I understand that the, the tournament was definitely pieced together a later than was ideal. Uh, but there, there are fixable things about the schedule and the format and the flow and uh, just it, it, to create a better product out of it. I think we can do it better for the next time. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about this more as, as we preview the women's world championship, because the question in the chat, are we going to do a similar level of coverage for women's? Yes, we will. Uh, that format is completely different, and we'll talk about the difference. Way different. Way different. And uh, I, I think that that for the next time that we run the World Championship in four years, there will be this tournament and then the women's tournament that are both very, very different formatted, and there's going to be a lot to learn from both formats to hopefully kind of refine the product for next time. Because like we've said, this is the number one event that the FIVB and Volleyball World put on. This is it. Because this is the second most prestigious thing you can win. Uh, it's this in the Olympics, and that's that's the Olympic committee that runs that tournament. Obviously, this didn't feel like the level of prestige that a world championship, I think, should feel like. Do you agree with that? It felt a little hollow, right? Yeah. It, it just, it just, it, it seemed like it was kind of like a shotgun wedding, in a way. That you know, it 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 has all the titles. You're signing all the same documents. You're doing all the same things, but just way quicker. And not necessarily for the reason you should be. Um, it, it, it was just a little bit like it, it left a little bit to be desired. Right. I, I don't understand why we were having so many matches a day just to like run through the group stages. Right. It's just too much volleyball. Right. And this is my biggest hit on one of my biggest things about volleyball is that there's always just too much volleyball. Right. Um, all, all at the same time. Like I don't I, I, I can't watch all of it. Right. With what it's going on. Like, can we get to like four matches a day? Maybe like max, like the six matches a day is, is, is nuts. You take some of that, add like a week to the tournament. It just gives for better fanfare. Um, but yeah, it's just everything about it was just kind of meh. 
Um, maybe it, maybe it was also the fact too, that like, I think, I think COVID really affected a lot of teams and you're seeing that separation from the top teams to the bottom teams, because they just lacked a lot of drama, especially early on. Like later on, it was, it was a lot better. Once we got to the, you know, the playoffs, it, it, it started happening with, with a few upsets and interesting matches. But I mean, other than a few notable outliers in the group stage, everything was pretty much status quo. Yeah, and we, we've kind of talked about that coming in, that there were really a select few teams that had a chance to actually win the world championship. It was probably Poland, France, Italy, United States, and maybe, maybe, maybe Brazil, and that was, that was really it. Uh, and there, I, think, I think that you're right. The, the international volleyball scene is still rebounding from the effects of the pandemic. The calendar is weird. Uh, again, there we'll never again see it where there's an Olympics and a world championship in back-to-back years. That will never happen again, uh, at least unless there's a colossal shaking up of the format and the calendar. But teams are still rebounding from that one year of no volleyball at all and then a postponed Olympics and kind of cramming everything in to get back on, on the, the four-year schedule and whatever it is. So in, in the spirit of that, I think that contributed to the whole tournament kind of feeling rushed. I definitely agree. Yeah, it's just as always when I when we finish up any type of volleyball event, very few times I'm like, man, that was well well run, well put together, well put off. It's always just like, hey, we're kind of you know we're we're passing. We like we get a solid. I get, I give it a solid C plus to be honest. You know, com- even compared to like the last World Championships in Italy, Bulgaria, the ones in 2014 in 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 Poland, there just seemed to be so much more fanfare around all of it. And this, this one just, it left a little to be desired. Yeah, I agree. Uh, hopefully they'll hire us the next time it comes around and we can do a significantly better job with all of the media, but uh, that, that's, that's a problem in a conversation for another day. Uh, so Everett, is, is there anything else to talk about about this world championship uh, before we take a well-deserved week off and then focus our attention on the women's tournament and the beginning of the club season because well, as this is volleyball there's no off season that's <laughs> we're uh, putting our athletes through way too much there's all but that does mean there's always something to talk about <sighs> no I, I mean overall it was it was pretty good um there's a lot of volleyball in the past little bit. I won't lie I'm a little tired I'm a little, I'm a little bit ex- exhausted so gonna use the next little bit to uh, to rest and 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 recoup um, overall. Uh, I'm, I'm overall, as I said, a little bit disappointed, but also like pretty happy. It was, it was good volleyball. We got to, we, we got to talk about it. It was a blast chatting with you, uh, multiple times a week and, uh, you know, getting to chat with everyone. We had massive growth, um, for ourselves and so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful it happened for, 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 for those things. Me too. And, uh, before we wrap up, we do want to kind of just catch all of those those of you who might be new to the volleyball source channel or new to the show uh this, this is not just a, a special show that we're doing for the world championship we do the show every week uh, we do it norm- normally every tuesday night at 7 30 p.m eastern uh, although we will take this week off i think that's pretty well deserved we've put out a lot in the last two weeks uh, but then after that so the next show we'll do will be tuesday september 20th and that will be to preview the women's tournament uh the Women's World Championship starts on Friday, September 23rd. So we'll do a lot of women's preview uh, on the next show, 9 by 9 Tuesday, uh, September 20th, in about a week and a half. Uh, and then we'll jump right into the women's tournament with a similar level of coverage to this. Yeah, much longer tournament, different format, uh, but, but still plenty of storylines, plenty of good stuff to talk about. Uh, so we'll see you not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. And we want to encourage people to uh, just – Follow us and everything that Volleyball Source is doing all the time. Subscribe to this YouTube channel for sure. Uh, and Everett will tell you in a second about the YouTube memberships. But Instagram, the website, all everything related to Volleyball Source is pretty, pretty active and is as good of a place, as good of a source for volleyball as there is on the Internet, uh, to say the least. So, uh, Everett, you want to plug the memberships before we get out of here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just answering a quick little uh, comment in the YouTube chat. Um, yeah, so if you guys notice, we do have the, as we said, Rob said, there's the subscribe button, but there's also the uh, membership button. So for four ninety nine, you be or four ninety nine USD, you could become a volleyball source member. Uh, what that means is you're gonna have little nice little badges when you comment and um, 
um, talk about stuff uh, in the chat. Um, of course, we had to do the uh, Ron, uh, Ronnie Cuban Spike tier list. So everyone gets a cookie uh, when they first start and you have to upgrade to, to work your way up through through the, uh, you know, the mega, the ultra, the super and, and the super tiers. Um <laughs> It's also it. going to uh, we're all, it'll also give you uh, uh, access to use our specific special emojis uh, in the chat too. Further down the line, we're going to be offering some exclusive live streams and content uh, with the membership, uh, as well as uh, some discounts to that volleyball dot store, which is the official store uh, and merch for Volleyball Source, the Nine by Nine, and of course the Volleyball Source Discord, Spicy Volleyball, like you see on me here. So head over to that volleyball dot store uh, if you want to look good like us. Um, those are the best places to help support us. Uh, depending on how much you want to support us at the end of the day, even if you just give this video a like, that's a massive help comment on it, uh, both in this chat and then later on too. Um, even if you just want to tell Rob that he's goofy for thinking that Brazil was <laughs> going to get three owed and three donned by, by Poland that way, like that, that would be, that'd be a good thing. Just boost the algorithm a, a little bit for us. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, guys, a, go check out that volleyball.store, but also just want to thank you guys for, for tuning in. I feel like we got a lot of new listeners and a lot of new followers, um, and we appreciate you guys. If there's anything you want to hear about, you want to, anything you want us to talk about, you have any feedback, input, please don't hesitate to message us, whether it's on the Discord, on Instagram, or just here on, on YouTube. Absolutely. Uh, thank you guys so much for your support of the show and for following along throughout the Wens World Championship. It was it was a very, very good tournament. I think the coverage that we did of it uh, did the tournament justice, and uh, hopefully we'll be on to bigger and better things for women's and club season and uh, everything else there is in the volleyball world because we are never slowing down over here. So uh, enjoy the week off. We will be back next Tuesday, September 20th for the next episode of the 9 by 9 and we will see you then. Uh, unless you want to join the Volleyball Source Discord and chirp us at various things in the meantime. So if you want to do that, links in the description. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace.